for for every Ramones, for for every Dead Kennedys, um, for for every punk rock band that was was brilliant, there was a, a hundred that sucked. And welcome to episode 436 of Brews News Week, recorded on Thursday, 21st of September, 2023. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, who hopefully this week you can hear in a little bit less crackly, terrible way. Uh, and I'm joined by the much more dulcet last week, Ian Watson, and uh, inviting back Paul Daly uh, to see if this, this time we have a show that he's willing to share that he was on. Welcome back to you both. Hi. Thank you, Matt. Sorry about that. It was. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I, I, I did learn what happened, but I'm, I'm too embarrassed to admit that the regular microphone wasn't plugged in. So apologies, and uh, thank you to anyone that suffered through the audio issues of last week. It was a shame because I thought, um, you know, not kissing too much ass, Paul, but uh, between mm-hmm. you and Ian, I thought it was a, a really good chat. I agree, and like I said before, we came on recording. I just thought that's how you sounded before you did the editing. So I said nothing, and I. You thought there was some magic. I, Joe did some magic. I honestly and, uh, did because you, you you played it so coolly, and and Ian, who's like I said before, who's regular, who's a regular on here. I thought that if Ian's not saying anything, then this must be the normal case. So I just kept shut. <laughs> no, anyway, but uh, fortunately, actually, I. I, I when I finished last week's episode, I thought because the conversation between you two was so good, I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's nice. It's an episode where I actually was pretty quiet, um, and uh, fortunately, so hopefully there was enough uh, of you blokes between my terrible audio. But thank you to everyone that contacted us and let us know, and I'm very sorry. But uh, anyway, a uh, bit to discuss this week, starting with Brewdog, a um, story that went up today. Uh, Brewdog, uh, which has equity crowdfunded and so has to, uh, you know, publish its results. Uh, what we're seeing is a bit of a recurring theme we saw recently with uh, Gage Roads. Revenue is up, but profit, still not in profit, still not enough revenue to make profit and profit is, and uh, losses have actually increased. Um, Brewdog Group Australia, the uh, Australian arm of the Scottish brewer Brewdog has reported revenue growth of 74% for the six months ending 30 June. It achieved sales of 7.2 million. Its wholesale sales grew 121% um, to 1.7 million, but that also includes sales uh, of its uh, Australian venue company run franchise operations in Sydney and Melbourne, which weren't in the uh, previous corresponding period. uh, And they both opened late last year. Retail sales for its own venues, Dogtap Brisbane and its Fortitude Valley Bar grew 63% to 5.5 million. and uh, if you read the article, you'll find that most of that came from Dogtap Brisbane uh, rather than its brew pub because the brew pub has proven to be a little bit uh, disappointing, apparently. Despite the revenue growth, losses for the six months grew to $1.19 million, up from 755000 for the same period last year. Um, last year, the company blamed flood and COVID uh, issues. Uh, this year, uh, Edbot just said it was generally low trading and also capital investment um, that had seen uh, its bottom line not being better. Um, also, it was interesting to note that uh, when I was researching the story, uh, I came across something that hadn't really been shouted from the rooftops, which is very unlike Brewdog. Last year in May, they announced that 50% of the profit from their bars globally was going to be distributed to staff. That has now gone back to 10% of profits uh, and what is essentially a performance-based payment of $2 per hour if uh, staff meet certain secret shopper arrangements. Um, Certainly nothing to be sneezed at with the uh, rewarding staff for good behavior. Um, I guess, once again, uh, it's an example of BrewDog shouting something from the rooftops very, very loudly, getting, you know, a lot of benefit from that in mainstream media and then quietly uh, recanting that once the reality of the situation. Uh, as uh, Calvin McDonald, their their manager of operations said, no point giving 50% of a profit that you're not making. Of course, I would argue that they knew that at the time that they announced that because they shortly uh, afterwards closed six uh, uh, venues and uh, they've talked about how tough uh, venues are. Anyway, um, you guys got anything to say about the Brewdog results? 
Yeah, that's um, just another sign that things are tough. Again, as Gage, you know, growing 121, uh, you know, 121% uh, increase in wholesale sales. Actually, I'll get to that. Um, but yeah, revenue up, profit down. Uh, also, possibly without having the the full balance sheet to look through, and it might be a similarity to Gage Roads when they're if they're going through um, growth and trying to be aggressive with some strategies that can change things a little bit on the the, the profit side. That maybe that's something that they'll um, bear fruit from later, but don't really know. That's just entire speculation. Wholesale sales at uh, 121% growth to 1.7 um, million is that number is a lot less than I would have um, expected. You know, it's obviously not a massive wholesale um, market uh, for them. If you, you just have to divide that by an approximate value of per liter of draft beer, beer to to get an idea of what that that volume may be. Now, naturally, um, if there was more um, Package sales, that's going to um, make that volume look even less. Um, and, you know, yeah, you can only speculate on an average of what their draft sales would be, but I'm, I'm looking that they're well under half a million litres a year, probably 300,000 litres a year um, or thereabouts at a, at a guess, which I, I would have thought they would have been larger. Um, well, he said that the uh, the, the capacity of the, 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 the brewery is only 2 million litres at the moment, you know, the maximum capacity. So um, their volumes aren't huge. Um, uh, yeah, again, but launched just before COVID, um, the, the, the revenue through Dogtap Brisbane is, you know, is quite impressive, but that includes all of the food sales and, uh, you know, merch sales and those sorts of things as well. But, um, you know, that, I, I that guess... Revenue of- Five point five million for that. That's for both um, the Dog Tap and the Fortitude Valley Bar, isn't it? Yes, but I suspect. Uh, how should we politely put this? The Fortitude Valley Bar doesn't sound like it's one that the staff will be getting a profit from. Will be getting a share of a profit from. Not at this stage. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's between both venues doing you know one hundred and five um, thousand k a uh, thousand a, um, a a week. Um, which is nothing to be sneezed at, but certainly doesn't put them in the bigger, um, biggest beer venues um, or, or venues around. Uh, and certainly the size of that brewery doesn't put them in the, the top half a dozen um, breweries for output in, in Brisbane by a long shot. Um, so I, I actually thought that would have been bigger. Um, that's not like as a criticism, that's just as an obs- observation. Well, let me put it this way. Would you value the brewery at $100 million? I asked that because uh, in, in, at the same time as they announced the uh, 50% uh, profit share for, for, for staff, um, James Watt very extravagantly announced that he was giving a certain percentage of his personal shares um, to staff um, and, you know, valued the value, you know, put place the value of the shares at a hundred million pounds. Um, but that was based on their latest equity raise valuation for the company that I think valued the business at over £2 billion. Um, and of course, that was equity crowd. Well, I've, I've asked a question when they say their latest, their last, was it the private equity round or was it their uh, you know public equity, um, equity punks round, which I think it's fairly fair to say that massively overvalues you know the, the 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 business on current values, particularly when they valued uh, for their Australian equity crowd fund the local brewery at a hundred million dollars, um, which uh, is extraordinary. So I would suggest that the, the 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 actual value, if we ever find out what it is of James's shares, is a fraction of the hundred million dollars he's uh, heralding. When I see things like this, and we see it in trade, when and it sort of you know there's a lot of capital that they put in. Obviously, they've explained that within the article. That, that, that costs a lot of money mm. up front too, so that could affect it. I just hope, and I, I'm just drawn to the idea, I think Pat said in his comments, I think we'll get to it later, but there's always someone willing to share, sell beer cheaper than your beer, right? Um, and my fear is, and, and I know you see it, but maybe you see it with, with good drinks as well, is that you would hope that if revenue is driven so much, uh, profit is down, that it hasn't come at the detriment of due to the fact that you're just willing to sell beer at a cheaper rate than someone else, and that could put them under pressure. So I think we've spoken about that. So I'm not sure if that's the case for this one. 
um, or if, you know, if with the scale, with the international aspect of BrewDog, if they're able to sustain losses over a long time to it, and we've spoken about that before, uh, that could be a negative impact of that to the people around us within an industry. I just don't know how sustainable and I don't know how I could, you could run a business that has such massive growth in revenue, but you're still actually losing an awful amount of money. So um, without seeing a balance sheet, um, a profit and loss statement or anything like that, it's really hard to get down to the nitty gritty, but I would just hope that. But it just shows that there is a, it's a real challenge out there. I'm surprised that you're still actually getting revenue growth most other people and volume increase when most other people are actually seeing a, a severe decline in revenue and volume too. So they are having to sell beer for cheaper to try and pick that volume up. So there's a lot of different things in here that you could probably read into it, but without actually having those facts into you, it's hard to make an assumption is, but I would just probably hope that when, when we start to see results from this people, that it isn't at the detriment of a wider industry um, to the people who are operating great businesses. Well, and that was always because we can't forget the BrewDog was incentivized to set up in Australia. Um, well, they apparently they were going to set up anyway, but they were being courted by at least two um, state governments, and the Queensland government gave them eight hundred thousand dollars to set up in Queensland. Um, and the criticism was that they'd done nothing for their own local investment when they brought you know. Breweries aren't a, a, a shortage industry that needs to be attracted. Um, BrewDog didn't bring any particular IP or any particular skills that didn't already exist in the country. Um, so a com competitor has been set up. But um, besides that, I, the, the thing that I took from what you just said, uh, Paul, is can they sustain the losses? And, you know, this is a global um Business, they're talking about opening a hundred BrewDog venues in India um, over the coming years. So it's a significant business, and they value themselves certainly at uh, you know two billion dollars. Um, they they lost twenty four billion uh, twenty four million pounds last calendar year globally. They can sustain losses, and that's one of the takeaways I've got. Um, just watching um, what's going on in the industry, and we'll talk about. Pat McInerney and some of the other um, podcasts we've had recently. But my fear is it's businesses that can sustain losses at the moment, whether you know they've got high net worth individuals or funding sources that are willing to sustain them at the moment that are going to come through this very difficult time. You know, businesses that are relying on cash flow to sustain themselves and actually, you know, making um, making money to stay, keep their doors open. Um, and, and some of those are great little venues. I think they're the ones that are going to be under the most pressure at the moment because they don't have that you know, additional source of funding that can sus sustain this down period. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. The only other thing I wrote down in my notes about this is particularly when going through that is just, you know, I, I hope that the most important thing that any of these businesses do um, particularly when they come into into financial trouble, is is making sure that the staff are always looked after, and um, the communication with the internal teams, and making sure that they are always put first before any other priorities. And if um, I hope that through the fact that you know through the communication that they've had, that no matter what happens with them, um, with that, but they are always looked after, and, and that they come as as the top priority because there are a lot of people impacted by that one. So I hope that you know communication that if they are going to make communications based on on what they're doing that they do it through an authentic and, and truthful way so that's the only other thing that popped out for me as, as the business um, came through in the article well and again you know it sounds like they consult with their you know, apparently they consult with their international teams on you know things like the profit share I don't know what they do with the uh, profits or anything but it was interesting to see some of the comments on Facebook that isn't always the, uh, the, the the best source of commentary or the most informed source of commentary. But if you're looking at perception, the initial comments on, on the article that I thought, you know, again, I wrote it, but hopefully it was fairly neutral. It's just very much stating the facts about the, 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 the profit and loss. Um, but there, there seemed to be a bit of negativity towards BrewDog in Australia. It's a fascinating business. It always seems to be a little bit of smoke and mirrors because you might hear one article and then it, it changes in terms of maybe what the fact is about it. But 
I mean, even from a distribution point of view, revenues up significantly. That must be just between the two ABC venues because in, in Sydney, I don't see Brewdog. I don't think I've ever seen a Brewdog tap in Sydney. Um, I think the only distribution I've seen in package has really been through maybe the chains. I don't know if Endeavour or Coles range it, but I don't see a lot of it. I was around. just going to say, yeah, um, I, I haven't seen a Brewdog tap anywhere. Um, every now and then you'll see a collaboration where. They've done a collaboration, which everyone seems to love to jump on board. But um, just sort of looking at the Brewdog Australia um, Facebook page, uh, LinkedIn page, they've, they're trumpeting two uh, new beers, a cold beer, a crisp pale. I'm not sure what that means, crisp pale lager, and a hop fiction hazy pale ale. So I presume that the cold beer is a crisp pale lager. Um, so hope, hopefully it's not one of those fizzy yellow uh, lagers that James uh, Watt um, decries. Maybe it's um, a Brewdog Cerveza. That have just landed at Coles liquor stores nationwide. So I suspect that's where a lot of their volume is coming from, from, from the major chains. Mm. Yeah, I, I certainly don't know a lot of their taps in Brisbane, Matt. Um, I, I know of one venue that did have it on and I'm just racking my brain at the moment to see where Somewhere in the last six months, I did see a um, a couple of taps in somewhere, but I can't think of where where it was. I I, I actually couldn't direct you where to find um, Brewdog, except for in the the two major retailers. Mm. Hey, um, I honestly haven't drank one since I don't think since Zara used to look after Brewdog. Zara Pro used to look after Brewdog yeah. in Australia. That might have been the last time I, I had one. I think growing up as an I would say an immature craft beer drinker you know you'd see it around and you'd get a hold of it it was fantastic but i think the reason why i probably haven't drank and drunk a lot of it since maybe 2017 18 i think that was that time around then um it's because there's just so many other options within craft in australia and i've always been in the mind particularly you know if like pat said if, if there's a brewery next door close to you that's making the exact same beer but it's your local that's invariably where I'm going to go. That's probably the reason why I don't pick up Sierra Nevada or another international um, craft beer because what's the point when it's already just here in better quality? But in saying that, Brewdog obviously is a locally made one, and and you know I've got to put the caveat that I've worked for Lion for nine years, and I'm you know I'm, I can't think if anyone saw me right now. I'm actually wearing a Kosciuszko Pale Ale T-shirt because of the things, but. So there is that too, you know, just because they're from another country doesn't mean they can't be made well here. But at the same time, going back to if there is a great local brewery, barely, I'm just going to pick up a beer from there anyway. Mm. And, yeah. And uh, again, to Ian's point, um, in the valley where the dog tap that sounds like it's struggling a little bit, I can think of, you know, God, within 500 metres, there's at least four local breweries um, that you could you could walk to over, a, you know, a dog over a dog tap and i think the brew dog brand has probably reached the scale where it's known to people with a passing interest in craft beer but probably not as highly valued with you know the people who would regard themselves as the beer cognoscenti um to be you know to, to, to be a, a, a draw card over um i mean even stone and wood um, which is down down the road uh, not too far away probably has a little bit more resonance to to, to local drinkers these days yeah, I think probably possibly Brewdog missed um, missed the boat in arriving in Australia by a few years. Uh, probably if they'd arrived here uh, in the mid twenty teens, you know, um, or or a bit earlier, but um, maybe not in the position to do that. But if if they'd have got here five or so years earlier, they might have been able to um, to get a stronger foothold. Uh, a because we saw a higher growth period then, but also um, B because. Uh, we didn't have quite as many breweries around then, and so um, there was probably a little bit more. Um, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for. There was probably a, a little bit more attraction to people going to to Brewdog than than what there is now, when there is so many very good breweries um, of, around in Australia. Yeah. The I, I think that you know, I love that, and I'm I'm very excited by the fact still that they're investing a lot in beer-focused venues because their venues are good for beer in terms of the options variety. And, and, and I, you know, the Brisbane one they speak about in the article, it's been great for the community, for people to visit him. If, as long as we've still got more beer-focused venues and for the right reasons presenting and, and showing that beer is a, is a viable option in terms of a, a beverage offering, 
if they're going to put a hundred, did you say a hundred venues through India at one stage? Well, that I read an article um, that you know when they were talking about the results back in June. Um, again, and, and this is the way Brewdog operates. They announce something um, that they get a lot of attention, and then that just perpetuates because people read it. So people are still still quoting this fifty percent. Um, uh, you know, profit share because there was so much noise made about it and next to nothing, on, which is one of the reasons why I put it on the record because uh, I wanted it on Brews News because I think we covered the 50% profit share at one, at one stage. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's Brewdog. And again, Brewdog makes a very good beer and, and, and everything like that. So it's certainly not, but as we know, uh, that's often not enough. Um, the other uh, news story of the week, Brewery Radar, was published this week. Um, just a, a regular thing where we monitor, I think there's about 60-odd breweries that we're monitoring that are in planning. Um, we gave updates on 11 in various stages of planning and development. Um, we reported on three openings, two soft openings where the people weren't quite ready, uh, one completed expansion, uh, and two closures. Um, so, yeah, still a, a, still a lot happening. Yeah, that is a, that is a lot. It's it's crazy to see that there's. Oh, it's not crazy to see. I think breweries don't just pop up overnight. So there's, I'm sure there's breweries in there that have still been planned that since before even interest rates started moving up. You know, 18 months ago. So which is great. I I'd be like I'd be pretty brave coming into the market at the moment with a brewery with the capital investment with um, the market when existing strong brands are struggling a lot at the moment. So. Interesting to see what happens over the next 12 months. But that's the thing. And I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I went back to try and find, I wanted to find the thing that was actually quoted in, but I was listening to a Brewbound podcast in at the end of August um, from uh, the, you know, the, the, the excellent, um, their excellent coverage of the American industry. And they actually quoted some comments from Lester Jones, who's the National Beer Wholesalers Association um, president. Um, or vice president, and apparently uh, uh, vice president, analytics, and chief economist. So he's the beer wholesalers, Bart Watson, for those who know who uh, Bart Watson is for the Brewers Association, um, who provides a lot of economic commentary around beer. Um, but Zoe Licata was report who we had on the Beer as a Conversation podcast recently, was saying that he was very strident in you know, the observations about the number of new breweries that are still coming on in the US, despite how tough it is, and despite all of the headwinds that uh, businesses, uh, the, the brewing industry is having over there. And um, I, I wanted to hear his comments uh, in full rather than the um, commentary on them, because apparently he also took the long handle to trade publications in the US um, saying, <laughs> why, don't, why aren't you people reporting the true situation uh, of, of the industry? All of these people that are opening obviously think that things are much better than they are. Um, and that's a, that's a criticism that I think equally applies here. You know, there is so much rah-rah we need to support everybody that anybody who's planning on opening a brewery can only be left with the impression that everything is rosy and everything's great. I would give the advice to anyone looking to open a brewery that right now within the entire industry market, it's a very much close to a price war. That mm. no matter what you're selling your keg for, there is a brewery across town that are willing to undercut you whether it's ten dollars, who needs to undercut you? Willing to, they either ten, twenty, thirty dollars, forty dollars. They will undercut you because they need to undercut you because they need to keep volume through the kit because overheads are constant and volume is the only thing that you need to bring to make sure your beer is still profitable. And this is cold hard, and I've seen this firsthand in the market from a sales perspective. It's the true case. No matter what kind of brand you are, no match up clout. If you get into the market, you, um, you're going to be fighting tooth and nail because there's a lot of very good breweries and I've got all the friends in, in breweries who give me the same feedback. It is a price war at the moment. There is so much competition out there and the consumer is buying less. They're not willing to spend $24 on a four-pack anymore. They want to spend $16 on a four-pack and there is someone out there who is willing to do that for them. And it's quite scary for a lot of people. So I would be as 
find that you know there's a lot of brands out there that are existing that uh, that are probably you know they haven't seen this and they're they're fighting to the nail for it. So um, that would be my most frank advice from a person is is experiencing the sales side of it um, as much as I do the advocacy side. So that that is it and. I really hope that as an industry and as a category, we find relevance. And this is what we do with the speak about a lot from the demand side that as an industry, we, uh, we spend a lot of time advocating in, in supply side and we can produce all the beer we want in the world. But, but unfortunately, there's less people picking those up and they're picking them up when they do that. They're, they're doing it on price because we've a couple of months when mortgages haven't gone up, but still they're worried that, you know, maybe next month, $120, they're going to have to find out their budget. It's really quite tough out there at the moment. So that's my only advice for anyone thinking about anyone on that theme game, maybe we're going to start a brewery. It, it's, it, have a good think about it again. We'll pick up this a little bit more because we'll talk about Pat McInerney's uh, beer as a conversation that I thought was really valuable. But, I mean... <laughs> I've had a lot of conversations with people that have been, you know, in the formative stages of opening a brewery, and I basically tell them how hard it is. And you can just see about the, the, the idea bounces off. You know, they, they've got their view and they're, they're, they're going to go ahead, whatever. Um, but certainly the public coverage of the brewing industry is, you know, while being very supportive, doesn't reflect the conversations that I'm having with just about, I don't, I haven't heard anyone that's saying how well I'm doing. And in fact, I've had at least one person in you know, near tears talking about how tough it is. Um, and, you know, I, as I said, you know, over and over again, you know, when you support everybody, I don't know that you support anybody. Um, and, you know, do we have to have some fairly frank conversations about just how tough it is and properly reflect it to save people from a to save people from going ahead but then also to save the people that have opened from even more competition because the breweries you know i've got at least two or three breweries are opening in the in the west um and you know pat said that they were said the same thing i think something that i'd say at the moment is something that should be had been said or should be said at any point in time now i think there is no right or wrong time to open a brewery um at any point over the last 20 years of involvement um i can tell you why it was a good time and which is generally an only in hindsight you can say that but at each time i can tell you why it's a bad time to do it mm-hmm. but something that applies um at all stages across there but particularly applies now with tougher times and with so many more um other, so many other businesses um, around is make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure your business plan is um, very, very good. Make sure your marketing plan is very, very, very good. Make sure you're just not doing the same thing as everyone else. Because if you're going, if you're going to come in and do things the same as everyone else, unless there is some slight little variable genius that you have, which um, I, I highly doubt the best you can hope for is the same as what everyone else is doing, and that's tough times. Um, make sure you have a plan for how you're going to keep your head afloat while things are tougher until um, times can get get better. But, yeah, if you're expecting to come in with no experience in the industry um, in, in any way, shape, or form, uh, without a very good business plan and without a real and genuine point of differentiation, which is not just a a quirky name or the fact that you're going to put honey in your beer or whatever it is, you have got to have something that really makes your beer, uh, it makes your business a solid plan regardless of the existence of, of anyone else. And that's something that should apply at any point in time that you're going to open a business. But our industry excites people so much, which is awesome, and I love that. But um, we're, we're kind of like, well, I'm, I'm wearing a shirt at the moment, the Ramones. The, um comparing the Ramones to the Beatles, and I would say that the Ramones are a, a much more influential band than the Beatles. And the reason is, is as great as the Beatles were, everyone that heard the, the Beatles went, wow, they're a really cool band. Everyone that heard the Ramones went, yeah, they're a really cool band. I want to do that too. I want to start a band, and most of them sucked. Um, 
and just make sure your business is not one of those punk venues that sucked. Make sure it's, you know, for, for every Ramones, for for every Dead Kennedys, um, for for every punk rock band that was was brilliant, there was a, a hundred that sucked. I take your metaphor. I'm not going to rise to the bait of, and point out how many uh, uh, musicians were inspired by seeing the Beatles on the uh, Ed Sullivan show. Um, but anyway, a good point well made, I will say. Yeah, make sure everything's <laughs> well planned. Um, but on that, Willie the Boatman, have you guys had a chance to listen to, to the chat with uh, Pat McInerney? Um, and did you go back and listen to the May 2020 podcast um, before you did? I didn't listen to the May 2020. I listened to the new one. Yes, same same for me. Uh, I do remember it quite well, though, from the from the time. I probably should refresh myself with it, but I'm within minutes of, of hearing out the current beers of conversation with Pat. Yeah, I, again, I, the only reason, because I went back and listened to it before I spoke to him, just so I didn't go over exactly the same ground, and I was just struck by how positive and upbeat he was, you know, even after COVID had hit compared to how I spoke to him on mic. And even he, off mic, he was even a little bit, you know, more pessimistic or a little bit more, you know, I can't say too much, but, you know, it, it was, you know, as soon as you put a mic in front of someone, they they edit themselves a little bit. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was quite um, sobering um, to, to, to hear how tough it is, had become when uh, in just even three years ago, they were fine. You know, they said, oh, well, you know, we only need to own the two kilometres that we distribute beer and we're doing that well. Yeah, that's probably, um, with the subject we were just talking about, that's probably a really good thing for people to go back and, and listen to both of those um, back to back to help to start to get perspective um, on uh, how things are at the moment, and look, look not too doom and gloom. Um, if your if your business is keeping its head above water now, I think there is rosy times ahead for you. Um, but there is there is reality to how difficult, and it's not just in our industry; it's in all industries at the moment. Things are a, a little bit tough, and that probably is a, a good one. And yeah, bearing in mind what you just said, Matt, that people do um, when a microphone's in front of them, they do they do tend to be a little rosier um or seem a little rosier than than their than their actuality um, and pat was certainly not painting uh, a picture of everyone running through the fields and um showering each other with beer while i listened to the ramones uh, over the beatles <laughs> so, but, yeah, and uh, I, i've had a lot of people comment and, and, and reach out of podcast saying you know i'm a bit of a debbie downer but again it's uh that's one of the things that there is so much positivity in the industry that I, you know one of the things I've always set myself the mission to do is more accurately more accurately reflect the conversations that I'm having, even where people won't put a voice to themselves. You know, sort of it's just reflecting what I'm hearing as honestly as I can. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I, the number of times I've heard people say, "Oh, look, you know," or, or even where it's, "Oh, look, it's really tough," and I, you know, it's a real, I don't remember it being this tough, but at least we've got summer coming on, and it'll get better. And the hopefulness that the, you know, summer festive season with people going out again, um, you know, Christmas parties, all of those sorts of things, there is a lot of weight being put on. Um, well, it's been a bad winter, but summer's going to be great, and that's going to fix all of our woes. And I, I genuinely hope it is. You know, for for everybody that has a brewery, but the the emphasis that i've heard put on that just does make me wonder if uh you know if we do have a slow christmas um for economic reasons january could be you know when that credit card bill lands in january it could be pretty uh tough um even tougher than we've seen in 2023 uh, i i do think we need some positivity and positivity not as in a way to mask things and the toxic positivity but just as a way to help keep ourselves digging deep to make sure that we're all moving forward and to support mm. each other. But we have to have the reality of knowing things are difficult. And, yeah, it is the thought and the hope that um, come summer things will will help because it, it generally is the lift point in, in our industry. However, there is the reminder, too, of if we look back to the summer of 21 coming into 22, when we just had really difficult times through COVID lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera, 
restrictions got lifted and everyone's like, wow, this is going to be, um, this is going to be great. It's all, all going to be good. And we had one of the worst um, summer seasons for beer sales that I know of in this industry. Um, this last year has been difficult, but that one as a slump, I think was the, was, was the worst one. So we could have that now too. Whereas we're, we're coming into the period where we're expecting it to be good, but because of how things are um, economically in our community, it just, it, might be better, but it might not be enough. Um, so have realism of expectations coming forth into there and let yourself be surprised. Uh, it's always, um, I'd rather you undersell to yourself and then reality over delivers than the other way around. And again, I, yeah, I, I take your point about positivity. Um, you know, very, I, I speak differently. You know, if this was a consumer podcast, um, I, it would be a very different tone that we're talking about. But we're talking to people who are planning breweries and people who are in breweries. And uh, you know, I guess knowing that everyone's doing it tough, at least you know you're not alone. It doesn't make any of the journey any, any easier. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, I'm certainly out there doing my bit to uh, keep breweries afloat. <laughs> and another thing we could say to Matt in there, and if you if you working in a business, or your own business, um, brewery business, it's undergoing tough times at the moment. You are not alone. Um, there is uh, mm. lines that you can reach out to to help yourself look after your mental health through this. Uh, because if you don't look after that, um, it, it will make it difficult for you to go through. Um, for, for you to lift your business through. Also, remember, you can reach out to your fellow brewers, your fellow business owners, and you can ask for advice from from each of them. Reach out to each other and say, hey, you're on the outside of my business. What can you see that I, I could be doing better? And hopefully the favours return back around then too. And you might find that you're, you're you know, a fellow brewery owner, as I'd say, yeah, look, I always wondered why you guys aren't doing X, Y, Z, um, because that really works for us. And I think that would really suit your business to do. And then you might be able to say something back to them. I don't know what those things are. Only you and them will know that. But but reach out to each other. We, we, can, we can help each other and support each other as best as we can um, th- through this. And yeah, you are, you are not alone. Good shout, my mental health. I'd just say that, you know, we've got to understand that, you know, without looking from a macro perspective, we all got to remember that as a category, we're still declining faster than from than as a total alcohol category, alcohol declines, but beer is still declining faster than the other categories. Now, craft isn't in the same growth as it was in the last ten years. No matter what, based on those those items that we can't control as an individual, but maybe as a collective industry, we can. But that's a different conversation. If anyone opens a brewery or anyone's selling beer, you're doing it at in a declining market, you're doing it at the detriment of a competitor within the same category. So unless you can bring up an offering that is taking share of the other brewery across town, the other 10 breweries across town or line of CUB, that is what we're up against because, again, nothing has made, nothing has, you know, there's nothing in the beer category that's driven beer forward and, and making it grow again. So you're selling to a, a, an ever-shrinking pool of people willing to choose to drink beer, if you have a compelling offering that can, you think you can, you can get an uptick and people are going to buy. It. That's great, but I think we've got to be realistically that it is that, it, and it's gotten even worse. And, and obviously, you can see you're in the Brewers Association at CBC. It's tough for them over there too, and they're seeing the same data. But when we're selling to less and less people as beer drinkers these days, and that's a challenge that I would hope that you know, in a utopian world as a collective industry, we can get that going again. But that is the biggest challenge at the moment, as opposed to the supply. And we will talk about. I hope that's not you trying to inject a note of positivity into this conversation. <laughs> it has been a little bit heavy going because that wasn't. But we will uh, talk about how we can, uh, you know, sort of increase the pie, not just a slice of it. But before we do, somebody who can help increase your slice of the pie, um, somebody that you can call and get a little bit of advice from, as Ian said, is a uh, Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging. The team at Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging are really no, they're not really looking forward to catching up with you at Brewcon, but they are looking forward to taking your call and seeing how they can help supply can or bottle labels, shrink sleeves or cans supplied ready to fill, cartons either printed plain or plain, tap decals, coasters, four-pack barcode, and much, much, much more. They're your one-stop shop for all of your brewing, labeling, and packaging needs. Give Paul and Brad a call or the team on 1300 852 235. 
to discuss your options or email sales at rallingsprint.com.au. And uh, thank you to uh, Rallings Labels, Stickers and Packaging for all of their support in uh, making this possible. Um, yeah, so one of the, just to pick up on your point, um, Paul, an article that I shared in the Radio Brews News Facebook group this week, and I, I texted you before I even posted it, um, was an ad that I just sort of think was genius. I could, I did not stop talking about this to anyone who had listened last Friday, including the uh, Facebook group, and uh, it was the the ad for that was it was in the Guardian. It was a paid ad for Grand Burge wines, and it's. These sorts of things are the sorts of things that I normally hate. They're normally the most, when a business is paid to advertise um, and create content, it's normally the sort of content that you just, is, is, is valueless because it's, hey, we're awesome, you should buy us because we're awesome. Um, this was something from a winemaker that, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, listeners, it's, a, it's an article that starts with, what are you bringing to the table? How to make more meaningful social connections. And the whole article talks about the secret to making a better impression and leaving a positive mark on those around you is actually pretty simple. And it talks about how to be a good conversationalist, how to be a good guest um, at, a, at an event, how to feel comfortable socialising with people you don't necessarily know. And it was kind of like just some very basic points that, that were still useful the only mention of Grant Burge wines at all was a reference to the chief winemaker who gave his advice because he says, um, you know, he I spend a lot of time talking to other people at conferences in the office while lingering over a glass at the cellar door. After decades of sharpening his conversation skills, he gives this advice, just listen to people, and then goes on. That is the only reference to the company, to wine, to anything Um the rest of it is just very, very good advice um, that you know got you reading because it was actually useful um, uh, content. But then all of the photos showed people socialising, positively drinking wine, and the the fact that Grant Burge wasn't mentioned, it kind of, sort of said, well, the the my takeaway was, of course, if you're socialising, you're going to be drinking wine, and you know our wine is so good that we don't even need to tell you that it'll be ours. Um, and I think I said to you, Paul, this should have been a beer ad because beer is giving up its drink of sociability, of easy, casual, conversational sociability to wine. And this just did it so effortlessly and naturally um, that I just thought it was genius. It was a category ad even more than it was uh, for, for the particular winery. Um, what did you guys think? should be a beer ad if we want, as a beer industry, us to that beer to be that basically i feel that this is a projection of a long-term projection of the wine industry projecting themselves to how they want to be perceived now into the future and then backing themselves to be able to do that i if beer wanted to do this we would do it and that's a hard fact and that's probably again i think we said jaded in the past last month last week but it's it's that right so this, what i loved about this was that it like you said, it didn't it barely mention Grant Burge, but if I'm now going to go and buy a bottle of wine, I'll probably pick up, I'll, I'll probably stop at Grant Burge because maybe want to drink Grant Burge. Um, mm. It was incredible. I wrote a note that what I loved particularly about it too was the use of the words, making your mark positive, warmth, generosity, your presentation, all personal attributes that we want to aspire ourselves to be, to do, to act, to be perceived in front of other people, all rolled into the representation of a product. Now that product represents making your mark, being positive, warming, generous, all those attributes that we aspire to as great people are now wrapped up in a product that they didn't even mention, which is I really loved. I also love the fact that there is, it's a bullet, it's near bulletproof this in terms of people trying to bring alcohol down as an irresponsible um, product mm. in people's social lives. It, I can describe, it's a magical example of really how most of us, all of us, I would say the majority of people who work in the liquor industry and the people who can interact with alcohol are really responsible people and they have responsible social occasions and alcohol plays a positive part of that. And 
this is a great representation of an industry who wants to continue to go forward in a positive way without overarching regulation and those sort of things. It just shows us as a window of how you can manifest your own future into in the sense of you project yourself that, like the wine industry do to we want to be perceived as this in the future as opposed to things that are, you know, easy, cheap ones for want of a better term. But I thought it was a wonderful article. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I haven't um, seen it yet, but it does sound um, like something I'd really appreciate. Um, and yes, is the sort of thing that um, we should probably be doing as an industry um, for for moving our category forward and showing what our category is all about. Um, much like how uh, wonderful I thought the, the Balter ad was. Um, was that this year? Hundred percent. That was this year. That was that was only uh, four months ago. Wow. Um, yeah, shows how shows how the year's gone. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I I look forward to to checking it out. Um, and yeah, it does sound like something that's taking a, a a greater view for what they can do rather than um, uh, uh, the immediacy of a of a result. But it's a longer term view of looking at something. Yeah, but again, it, you know. Ian, you and I have talked, and in fact, Paul and I have talked a lot, um, and, and we've talked a lot on the podcast about, you know, better service in a glass, better, you know, um, people who are interested in listening rather than just trying to force their preferences on a customer. All of the ways that beer service can be better. But the thing I liked about this was the way that it positioned the product. And more and more and more, that's something that, you know, in hindsight, I'm very critical of the brewing industry for being. The only meaningful um, attempt at a category campaign we've seen was Beer the Beautiful Truth. And it was trying to counter one negative perception that beer is full of sugar, when in a lot of ways, Lion had done as much to create this perception that beer was fattening or full of sugar as, as anyone. But in terms of the industry investing in the way beer appears as a to 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 everyone just the natural assumptions the, the the natural feeling that people have as i said this ad just made it the natural assumption that if you're out socializing people are going to be drinking wine not beer and that's the sort of high level um campaign i think brewers just haven't done and you know chasing you know, hazy fads and sparkles fads and lactose fads and things like that, that has been the, the, the sole attention. And I don't know whether I'm creating the, 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 this feeling, but there seems to have always been this feeling that the growth that we've had over the last 10 or 15 years was always going to be there. When, as Paul said, beer has been declining that whole time. It's just that one segment of it has been having a bit of a, a flowering. I won't even say a renaissance, a flowering. And, uh, you know, as an industry, um, you know, Paul, you said at the uh, Beer Australia um, panel that we did at BrewCon, you know, I was listing some of the negative, you know, doing beer is the drink of shoeys. And you said the d dad bods, you know, we have, you know, dad wet t-shirt competitions where you're basically celebrating blokes that are proudly fat because of beer and more and more that is the broad scale perception of beer those sorts of things as opposed to beer is the beer of easy sociability it's the beer of celebration it's the beer of friendship or it's the drink of friendship it is the drink you know um, that everyone can afford um, some of those common things once a little bit more gendered than they should have been but you know can easily be recast um, these days I just don't see that and I see so many even social media um, postings from breweries that play to the lowest level of beer consumption as opposed to the aspirational element um, you know not rich aspirational but just we all aspire to be good conversationalists. We all aspire to, you know, be good hosts. We all aspire to, you know, those everyday things. And I just don't see beer celebrating itself in that context ever, um, except for the Bolter. You know, again, that Bolter campaign was beautiful. 
hope they bring another one out. I think they'll be quite good on that one. But I will say that, you know, this, again, backing up everything that you said there, it's, it's right. We, as a collective industry, and we're a sum of all our parts, um, we need to project ourselves into the future in terms of what we want to see, who, who we want to see drinking beer in 5, 10, 15 mm. years' time. Now, if we, if we went back to 2018 and we said, who's the beer drinker in 2023? very much saying not much has changed would we be happy or would we be satisfied or would we be disappointed in terms of where beer is playing because i think it's still playing in the same mm. way because we're still going back to the same ways of uh, talking about of beer we need to continue as a collective venue and, and that's not just brewers but it's also the people who are adjacent to that the people who are you know this is beer festivals um as well this is people who sell the product on behalf of brewers on premise off premise Collectively, we need to have, be able to do that. Now, wine is doing this and spirits is doing this and they actually invest quite a bit of money. Obviously, they've invested money here with the view that they know that this is a strategic pillar for them, which is really important. And that strategic pillar for them has actually has caused that, has now impacted that to the, the um, adult edge consumer of alcohol that good social occasions go better with wine, better conversations, better positive interactions. If I went to a beer festival and there was a wet t-shirt competition, well, I'd know exactly where beer's occasions would be. And I hope that in five years' time, I look back in 2023 and I see there's been some change. Um, and beer can still be an awful amount of fun. There's always going to be that, that, that fun aspect of it, as long as it's obviously responsible too. But if we're going to grow, we're going to have to get into these occasions that spirits and wine play their very good hands at because they're well planned at doing it. And they present it very well. And obviously, from here, you look at this and it's pretty, you know, it's a responsible way, which is very, is a, which responsibility is sustainable for our category into the future. So I think that we need to have a good look at ourselves as, a, as an industry with the view that we want to grow. And we're not going to grow without new drinkers, new consumers, new occasions, and to get into this. And I think that beer has all the tools in its toolbox to be able to able to achieve that because we've got more variety than other categories we're more approachable um, and we've got more history as well well said paul thank you very much and uh, just very very conscious of time um and we will come back to that um in future episodes i'm sure because it is going to be increasingly a uh, a, a topic that the industry needs to grapple with um but just sort of looking ahead Brewery of the Week, Bluestone Yeast can supply pitches of yeast from 1 litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you are after a one-off pitch or you are looking for weekly, fortnightly or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has you covered. You can reach out to them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or call our good friend Derek on 0385183172 and talk all things yeast. And he does love a chinwag about yeast. Um, now, we were batting back and forth about breweries of the week, and I've, again, without naming them, I've been going back to the same breweries, um, you know, by and large, uh, that have been local to me, but uh, have been very, very good. Um, but I don't want to choose another Brisbane brewery, because uh, we are a national podcast. But, uh, Paul, was there anywhere in Sydney, any bars or anywhere in Sydney that you would like to celebrate that you can particularly think of? Last week, we had White Bay that I thought was a great choice. Well, I've um, I actually live in between Sydney and Newcastle. Now there is a there's a couple of really good little breweries in Newcastle that probably don't get as all the fanfare being um, a smaller city than Sydney. But there's a brewery there called Good Folk. Um, I think it's in Hamilton. I don't know if you've heard of it. Good Folk Brewery. I've heard of it. I haven't been. Yeah. So, um, and I celebrate this brewery. Not not only if you look them up, they've got some very beautiful clean packaging. So they've they've gone down the route of we're stripping it back to its basic elements. You might actually, some of it looks a little bit recognisable to other, some other brands or not, but they make an amazing dark ale. Um, and I will celebrate not only because I think I like, I think it's great to have local Newcastle brewing, but I also think it's, I, I enjoy the packaging, but the dark ale, if you get a hold of that, is top notch. And that's coming from, I know you were talking about the Russia's Appreciation Society in terms of those classic beers, like a two is old. Uh, it's very similar in the same vein to that one. And I, I thought it was just a, a great little venue in Newcastle to showcase local beer. They make some great beers and I'm particularly fond of their dark ale. 
There we go. So good folk. Um, it's a good one. I'd certainly uh, be trying to get along there in that case. Have you been, Ian? No, I, I haven't. I actually wasn't aware of it. Um, but next time I'm down there, um, I definitely want to check it out. I, I love that area, you know, having lived there for a number of years too. Um, it's uh, I feel it's a second home area um, and there's some great breweries around the region. So definitely that's going to be on the map for next time I'm down there. Excellent. I'll have to get down. And just keeping our commercial theme going, we now have a mailbag sponsor. You'd think that we would be making money uh, at this rate. I can assure listeners that we're not. <laughs> um, but the mailbag is brought to us by our good friends at Beer Fans. Beer Fans creates new fans for your brand. Start selling outside of the same pool of consumers and increase your size of the pie. It's free to feature your beer and merch on the website with beer fans being rewarded only once a new fan is secured for your brand. If you want to put your brand in front of more beer fans, reach out to the team via email at join at beerfans.shop or click on the link in the show notes to start your seven-minute onboarding process. And maybe I might even have a chat to the team at beer fans about creating some fan merch for beer itself. You know, uh, they make a very good point that if you've got good merch, if you engage with people and they're out there wearing your brand, you can increase your slice of the pie as a brewery. But let's try and increase beer slice of the pie over other things. Let's see if we can get some people just sort of rocking beer branded T-shirts, just beer, saying uh, drink beer. Absolutely. I love that idea. Not, 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 not a beer belly T-shirt or anything like that. Not like fuel tank for a, a you know, sex machine. You know, that old uh, oh awful T-shirt. Oh, it seems so long ago, but yeah, they're absolutely yes, terrible. Right. But, oh. but again, this is people wonder why beer is declining. That was the sort of branded merch that people lovingly wore. So anyway, we might reach out to a... Beer fans and see if they can help us come up with an idea of making beer more appealing. It's still, it's uh, still around. But Mailbag had a great uh, message in the Radio Brews News Facebook group. If anyone wants to uh, join Mailbag and potentially be the uh, letter of the week, um, producer at brewsnews.com.au. Uh, you can also leave a, a speak pipe message. There's a link in the show notes. You can leave a 90 second message um, and you just record the message, what you want to say. You can Tell me I've got my head up my ass the way that everyone does when they phone. Um, you can just sort of say it and we'll publish it. Um, and uh, Or you can just uh, join us in the Radio Brews News Facebook group. Um, and this week we had a, a message from Josh Boyle, who is an Australian in Nantes, I think I'm pronouncing. I've, got, I've actually got French house guests, so I should have checked the pronunciation. They might be in the next room laughing at my pronunciation of Nantes. Um, but Josh, uh, I caught up with him in August. He, he, he swung by the uh, Craft Beer Alley exhibition. So he said, uh, this isn't 100% industry news, Australian industry news, but seeing uh, as Matt shouted me, a couple of, uh, shouted me out a couple of episodes ago, I thought I would update a little. Um, this past week and weekend was, now I'm not going to have any luck pronouncing this, Nantes sous Pressant, a volunteer-organised beer festival here in Nantes, France. Geez, they're going to keep me saying that, that I help organise with mates known as the Nantes Beer Club. Um, we had 40-something breweries, two of which were Verdant and Nort, uh, some some of the top hop and sour hype breweries in the UK. Oh, so that should have been Verdant and North, not uh, trying to pronounce it French. But the highlight for me was this photo. Three Australians living here over in Europe, working in the drink space, not knowing either existed until this weekend. Uh, there was Chris from Merbudu Ciders in Latvia and a local craft beer bar in Riga, originally from Adelaide. Me, a home brewer, planning on turning a farm into a barrel room for my mixed fermentation drinks. Sounds very much like uh, we're seeing a bit of here. Um, and he's originally from Caloundra. And Fergus, a brewer and blender and jack of all trades at, here we go, La Apathy in Switzerland, originally from Brisbane. So if you find yourself in France in September, come to the festival. You never know who will be manning the stands or organising the event. I should say staffing the stands. Although in this case, it was manning the stands. So I thought that was lovely to hear uh, Australian beer passion uh, spreading across the world. And uh, lovely to catch up with Josh. Well, there we go. Uh, that brings us to the end of another Brews News Week. Thank you very much for listening, us, listening to us. Uh, 
Next week on Tuesday, we'll be having a podcast featuring Dean Romeo from Felons Brewing and Tom Champion, also of Felons Brewing, just catching up with them because Felons has become a bit of an institution. The whole Howard Smith Wharves has changed the face of Brisbane. But this week, uh, as or next week, as you hear this, uh, they're hosting a Lagerpalooza. So we've seen a lot of specialty beer uh, festivals, uh, Blobfish, uh, Juicy. There's been a whole range of uh, special beer festivals, and this one's devoted to lager, um, which I'm very, very excited about, including uh, beers flown over from Alex Troncoso, formerly of Little Creatures, uh, and now brewing in the UK, Lost and Grounded, who are specialists in making some great lagers. So uh, it's a very good reason to come along. And I wanted to find out about, you know, what's driving the research in lagers? Is it a dumbing down of the palate, as some people want to say, or is it a rediscover, rediscovery of the great art of lager making? So listen out for that next week. In the meantime, thank you very much, Paul Daly, for coming back and joining us. Hopefully you heard me better this week, as did uh, all of our listeners. Except for when you're on mute. <laughs> Except when I'm on mute, thank you. Hopefully Joe edits uh, that part out, but now you've uh, dobbed me in. And uh, thank you as ever, Ian Watson. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Matt.